we're going to talk about a gospel that I believe is something that has come on the scene maybe more in the last five to seven years uh, than ever before. And it is called the political gospel. The political gospel. All right. And so what we're going to do today is answer three questions about the political gospel. Number one, what is it? Because I know that's a big question that a lot of you have right now. What is the political gospel? Number two, why is it false? And then number three, how does the truth actually have the power to change us? All right, so what is it? Why is it false? How does the truth change us? Let's start with this. What is the political gospel? Let's kind of define the terms. Politics has always been a divisive thing in our country. We all know that, but I think in the last, you know, six, seven years, it's ramped up to a whole new level of divisiveness, and I think we've We've seen that, and what our culture is kind of teaching us and training us up with politics is this. Pick a side, pick a party, love it, follow it, and hate the other side. That's kind of what we're being kind of trained up in in our country right now. Whether that's you or not, it's just that's what it seems. And, and, and so it's become very polarized. It's become very divisive. Now, here's the concern that I have. It's entered the church. It's entering into the church, and it's divisive now, not just out there, but it's divisive inside of the church, maybe more than ever before. And I think if we're not careful, what can happen is if we are driven by our political views instead of our faith in Christ, it can actually skew our view of the real Jesus. All right, so the political gospel is this. The political gospel is when you view your faith in Christ through the lens of your political view rather than the other way around, right? It's when your faith in Christ and your politics are so closely linked that, you're, that you lead with your politics instead of your faith in Christ. Now, I'll define it like this. If we could put that up on the screen, Dave. Political gospel, in my words, is this. Viewing your faith through the lens of your political view instead of viewing your political view through the lens of your faith. Right? Got that? Viewing your faith through the lens of your political view instead of viewing your political view through the lens of your faith. All right. Was that up there? Oh, I didn't give it to you. That's my bad. <laughs> Do you have Galatians 2.20? Yeah. Galatians 2.20 is this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live, in the flesh I live by faith, in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I love, this is one of my favorite verses because it speaks to the identity that we have in Christ. That once you come to know Christ, the old you has died with Christ, crucified with Christ, and there is a new you that has been raised to new life as Christ has been raised to new life. And you no longer live the way you want to live, but you live the way Jesus wants you to live. It's no longer you, it's Christ in you. And there's something happen that happens. It's that all of a sudden, you have a brand new outlook on everything. You no longer see the world through your personal lens, but you see the world through the lens of Jesus and the gospel and what Jesus has done for you. It's kind of like this. 
Um, if you guys have ever been to a uh, 3D movie, they're pretty cool. And they're getting better and better at this technology. And the 3D movies really make uh, movies come to life. But there is one really key element to 3D movies that you got to have the glasses on. That you have to wear the 3D glasses because otherwise the 3D movie will not make sense at all. Right? You have to see through the lens of the 3D glasses. Now listen, you can, you can put on, like these are just my sunglasses, you can put on a normal pair of sunglasses and look at the 3D movie. Not only will it be in 2D, but it'll be blurred out. It won't make any sense because 3D movies were made to see through the lens of 3D glasses. Now listen, I believe that what happens when you come to know uh, Christ as your Savior, it's like you put on these new 3D glasses that everything in life comes to life. Everything, and because everything is seen through the lens of Jesus and what he did for you, the way it was supposed to be. You have this new relationship with God. And so you put the Jesus glasses on and you see your marriage differently. You see your, your parenting differently. You see your money is different the way you handle that. You see everything differently, including, and this is the hard part, your politics. But you, you see everything differently. And so... What I want to tell you is this, that I think the main problem with the political gospel is this, that people who are well-meaning followers of Christ and they want to look at everything in life through the lens of Jesus are beginning to take off their Jesus glasses and put on their political party glasses and start looking at the gospel through the lens of their political party. And I want to tell you, it skews it, it blurs it. You may miss the real Jesus. That's what I want to kind of challenge you with today. Um, now listen, it's quiet in here. <laughs> I want to say this. This is not me saying you shouldn't have political views. All right? And this sermon is not a, you know, a sermon about telling you to pick a side or anything like that because we are apolitical as a church. We don't, we don't go there because we don't think Jesus went there. And so that's, that's not what this sermon is about. But I want to say this, that um, if, you, if you're somebody who has your politics inform your faith instead of your faith inform your politics, then you may be beginning to move closer to believing a political gospel and you'll miss the real Jesus and at least miss pieces and parts of the real Jesus and the whole gospel. So my challenge for all of us today, and this has been a challenge for me first and foremost, and it's been, God's been working on me this week. I'm, I'm challenging you to have a soft heart and a moldable heart, because I, I have to guess that almost everybody in here right away would go, yeah, I don't think I'm, I, I don't think I believe the political gospel. You know, I, I see, I see politics through the lens of my faith. It's, that's why I'm you know, that's why I'm a this or that Republican Democrat, you know. And so what I want to tell you, though, is that I think my challenge to you is have a soft, moldable heart to go, um, maybe, maybe I could grow in this area. And I also just want to preface this by saying I love you. I love you. Uh, and I, I want to work together to become as, as, as great of a place as possible, putting Jesus at the center. 
So what I thought I'd start with is just some questions to know if we are potentially moving towards believing a political gospel. So I'm going to put the questions on the screen. I think, I think Dave has those. First one is this. Have you spent more time listening to political podcasts or your political news station than you spend in the Word of God or, or gospel-oriented media? Uh, when, when I discover that a fellow believer disagrees with my political preferences, do I make assumptions about their commitment to Jesus based on their political affiliation? Have I become more obsessed with achieving a specific political outcome than I am with actually leading people to Christ? Am I more likely to be shaped by my political views of a Facebook friend than I am by the words of Jesus? Do my neighbors know for sure my political stance based on the yard signs and the bumper stickers, but may not actually know yet that I'm a Christian? And then the last question is just simply, am I, am I rubbed the wrong way by those questions? Am I offended by these questions? Let me, let me stop there and move on to the next question. Um, why is it false? Why is this a false gospel? Why is this dangerous ground to go down? And let me start by saying, you know, a couple weeks ago I told you that every false gospel has one thing in common, and that it's me-centered, not God-centered. It's me-centered. I drew these two circles. You know, every false gospel is centered around me. The political gospel is actually no different than that. Because remember what I said, what happens is you're seeing your faith through the lens of your political view. And what happens then is that you make Jesus whoever you want him to be because he's a Jesus that agrees with you. That's the, that's the problem, right? And so you, you, it's a me-centered gospel because you're making him out to be uh, the, pers- the Republican Jesus or the Democratic Jesus or the Jesus that holds exactly to the same views as you have. And I'm telling you, if you do that, you will always get a little bit of a different Jesus than the actual real one. So we gotta, have, we gotta look at a God-centered, a God-centered uh, philosophy here. We got to look at what God says in Scripture, and what I will say is that as I have looked at this stuff, that what I what I believe to be true is that Scripture does not prove to one hundred percent align with any political view, any one political view. It doesn't. I think we'd be surprised to know that there are things that Scripture might affirm in the view that we oppose. And there are, scripture, there are things that Scripture might affirm in the view that we hold. I think we'd be surprised to know that that is true. I think if Scripture is our source for truth, if we're putting on our gospel glasses and seeing everything through, what you're going to find out is there's more that you agree with from the other side and more that you disagree with from your side. I think that's the way that this can work. Let me give you some of the examples Scripture, scripture talks um, about us being made in the image of God. We, are, we have intrinsic value, intrinsic worth. You know, every human being has worth. That, mean, that, that includes the unborn, right? It includes the unborn. It includes the mom who is bearing the unborn. Right? That's something that Scripture is abundantly clear on, and, and, it could, and I could like argue with anybody about how clear that is, right? Scri- but God cares about the unborn. 
Okay, the other thing that Scripture talks a lot about, and Jesus himself talked a lot about, is welcoming the stranger. That refugees, when they're coming into our land, that we should treat them with respect, with the ability to share the gospel with them. It, that, that's also important to God. Christians should, through a biblical worldview, care both about the unborn and care about the refugee. What political party is that? Which political party cares deeply about both of those things? Another one I would say is this, that um, the, the, um, the Bible talks a lot about racial, ethnic diversity. Right? The Bible talks about being someday in heaven where you're going to be with people of every tribe, tongue, and nation, and it is a beautiful thing. Right? The gospel is for everyone and nobody should be treated differently for the color of their skin. The Bible speaks definitely for uh, racial unity. It speaks, therefore, against racism or anything to do with that. So in our country, we've had an issue with racism. As Christians, we should be serious about racism. At the same time, I would also say this. The Bible is very clear of how important God sees marriage, that it is sacred that it is designed, sex is designed to be between a, a, a one woman and one man in the context of a covenant marriage. And the Bible is so abundantly clear on that. So as Christians, we should care both about being the solution to the issue of any racism in our country, and at the same time, we should care about the sacred marriage that God has designed. Which political party? cares deeply about both of those things. Kind of see, see what I mean when I talk about this. Now, let me um, also say that I think one of the problems as we've polarized politics is that both extremes have actually used um, violence and rioting in order to try to make political change. Both, both sides have done that. Here's the interesting part, is that each side thinks they're justified for doing it, and also, each side thinks the other one is crazy for doing it, right? It's interesting how that works. Here's what Jesus said. It's not what Jesus would do. When Jesus was being arrested, you know, right after he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's being arrested. They come up, and they, they start to arrest him, and Peter's right next to him. And Peter, God bless him, pulls out his sword, and he cuts off the soldier's ear who's about to arrest Jesus. Jesus picks up the ear, he puts it back on the soldier, heals him right there and then and says, Peter, put away your sword. This is not the way we do things. The way I'm going to build my kingdom is actually by losing my life, laying down. We don't fight, we don't force, we actually lay down our lives and by doing so, that's the way this kingdom is going to be built. And so Peter might have felt super justified to pull out his sword to defend Jesus, but Jesus says that's not the way it works. And so I want you to know this, that if you've ever felt, you know, that rioting or violence that has happened based on a view that you have, and you go, that, that's probably okay and acceptable, and then you might be moving a little bit towards seeing the gospel through the lens of your politics versus the other way around. Um, the other thing that has been a very um, controversial thing over a number of years is the uh, um, how much does it matter the character of the candidates? Like the private life 
the way they conduct themselves. How much does that matter? And I know that's been a controversial thing. Do we vote for platforms? Do we vote for character and all of those things? But I, I want to tell you that I believe that that's, as Christians, that's like, that's as pretty clear cut that character matters. It's very clear cut. Like, that's not something I don't think anybody would argue with. Um, and I'll, I'll get to why in a second, but I want to bring up something. Ed Stetzer, who's a, um, an evangelical Christian, he's a pastor, he's a writer, he's an author. Some of you may have heard of Ed Stetzer. He, uh, he talks about this, and he says, you know, there was a poll that came out for Americans back in um, post-Bill Clinton presidency, okay? I'm not sure what year it was. But the poll came out, and one of the questions in the poll was, uh, how much does the private life of your candidate actually matter to the way that you vote? And uh, evangelical Christians were the number one uh, biggest group to say, absolutely it matters. It matters big time to us. And by the way, that's the, that's the right answer. That's the right answer. The problem is that that same poll came out in 2016. What happened in 2016 is they asked the same question, the, how much does the private life of your candidate actually uh, matter for how you vote? And evangelical Christians flipped the script. By and large, in general, I'm not saying everyone, but by and large, in general, evangelicals said, no, it doesn't matter that much. But now, here's the problem. I am not making a political statement. What I'm saying is that is seeing your, your faith in Christ through the lens of your politics. Because Jesus cared about character. He actually did. Luke 6.45 says this, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure in his heart produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. The character does matter. I'm not saying it's the only thing. I'm not saying there's a perfect candidate that's never messed up. But I think we need to, th we need to think about that. All right, let me move to the last question. I'm going to finish with this, and that's, um, you know, when it comes to seeing the, the politics through <laughs> your Jesus glasses, you know, when you put these things on and you really start to do this, there are three things that I think begin to change for us. And these are my, this is my prayer, I think, for this church. It's, it's a prayer for me because I'm going to admit to you some stuff that I have done wrong as well. There's three things that happen. One is that you will be more loving, the gospel will be more clear, and you will focus yourself on a different kingdom. You'll be more loving, the gospel will be more clear, and you'll focus on a different kingdom. So first, you will be more loving. You will be more loving. So my confession to you is this. I get riled up about politics. And, and I've, I, I have to admit that you know, there's been times where I will look at uh, somebody who puts a yard sign out for a candidate or a particular thing that they're trying to make a statement on, and, and, and I get, I, I start to get angry a little bit, and I even sometimes make judgment calls on that person and kind of where they're at and all of that sort of thing. And, and here's the problem with that. That's absolutely not putting your Jesus glasses on. Right? If you see politics through the lens of your view of Christ and what he has done for you, then you will realize that you were once the enemy. 
that Jesus gave his life for you. You will see as Jesus sees. You will love as Jesus loves. And it's not just for people that you agree with. It's for people that you will love people you disagree with. Because that's exactly what Jesus has done for you. John 13, 35, Jesus himself says, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If you have love for one that's how they're going to know. They're going to know by our love, not by, and, Je, and this is what Jesus did. He had this way of being able to look past people's opinions and the way people looked and the things that they stood for straight into the heart. And what Jesus did is he could see a soul that was in need of a savior, not an enemy that needed to be recruited to the other side. And that is what made Jesus so effective. We've got to see as Jesus sees, and then we will love as Jesus loves. And if that happens, then another thing will happen. The gospel will actually become more clear. We will make Jesus more clear and more exciting for people to want if this happens. When politics, um, when you see your politics through, or you see your uh, faith through the lens of your politics, one of the things that happens is it confuses people, especially people outside of the church. And I believe that this is one of the reasons why there have been a lot of people lately who want nothing to do with Christianity. Because they're looking at Christians and they're going, wait a second, like, they're talking about their political candidate and Jesus in almost the same breath. And I know their political candidate, I want nothing to do with their candidate, and so I don't think I want anything to do with Jesus or that kind of Christianity. And we, we are hindering people from seeing the gospel oftentimes by making politics such a huge deal for us. Settle down, Todd. <laughs> Brett McCracken was, uh, he, he actually wrote an article in the Gospel Coalition, and it says this, um, which I think was a really good quote. He said, why would a spiritually restless 21st century person care about faith if faith turns out to be just another clanging symbol in the deafening cacophony of politicized noise? How's that for a sentence? <laughs> Yet if faith offers something different, a confident, prophetic clarity that takes its cues from an eternal agenda and speaks to politics rather than from politics or anything else that's peripheral, then it might be worth preserving. We have, to, we have to make our faith in Christ appealing to people. Lead with that. And by the way, that doesn't mean we ignore politics. It means we should engage it in love, and we should push for things that Scripture speaks to. And that's a good thing, but we have to lead with our faith and not with our politics. Last thing I will say that happens is that you'll focus on a different kingdom. Focus on a different kingdom. Um, so Jesus, when he was arrested, he went before Pilate. It was one of his first big political interactions. Jesus and Pilate. And remember what, what the, the Jews were accusing Jesus of is really like political blasphemy. And so what was happening is Jesus went before Pilate, and Pilate started questioning Jesus because he was going, um, he was trying to figure out if Jesus was trying to overthrow things politically. He was trying to nail him into a corner politically so that he could, he could get him there. But Jesus would never side with a nation. He wouldn't side with politics. Here's what Jesus said in John 18, 36. 
He said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might be not be delivered to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Again, my kingdom is not from this world. One of the reasons I think the political gospel, gospel can be so dangerous is because when we, uh, our hope ends up resting in the success of our country, and we get so passionate about the success of our country and it being it only coming through our political view that all of a sudden our hope comes in the success of our country and not in the kingdom that Jesus is trying to build. And I, I, and I think that's a dangerous place to be. I, um, I want you to know that I, I, I don't think that God, I don't think it's wrong to have political views. By the way, I love, um, I love our country. I love our country because it is a great country. There are freedoms that we have because of people who have fought for those freedoms. And that is a wonderful thing. But there's times where I believe people think that the reason we're close to God is because we live in America. But honestly, that's not the reason we're close to God. The reason we're close to God is because of the shed blood of Jesus that has given his life for us so that we could be back reunited with the God who made us. That's what makes you close to God. That's not an American kingdom. That's not a Republican kingdom. That's not a Democratic kingdom. That's the kingdom that Jesus came to build. And he didn't come to build it in a nation. He came to build it inside the hearts of those who know him. That's the kingdom that we need to keep our eyes on, especially in times like this. And we've got another election coming up in like a little over a year, and so we need to keep these things in mind. Um, let me read one more passage. It says, in Philippians 3, 20 to 21, it says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Right, again, before we are American citizens or our political view, we are citizens of heaven awaiting our Savior and King who is the one who has the power to make all things subject to himself. Would we keep our eyes on the real Jesus so that no matter what happens with politics, engage them, help them, help our country, but no matter what happens, we would be all about his kingdom. I want to be the kind of church that sees politics through the lens of the gospel so that we will love, that we will bring clarity, and we will bring hope to a lost world. Right, let me pray. Father, Lord, I, uh, I realize that what I'm saying is hard and uh, is challenging for a lot of us. So, Lord, have grace, I guess, on everything that was just said. And I pray that, Lord, we would, um, we would just seek you, that we would focus on the gospel and the kingdom that you want to build, and that that would make us stand out among everyone else now, especially in our country. But I pray we would worship you now and uh, search our hearts for all the things that you're asking us to do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.